Hey, come on in. Oh, wait. Hold on. Sorry. Well, you might as well go ahead and wipe yours too. Get those streaks out. I always have a fingerprint in mind from moving them up so much. Right. You ready? I think mine looks good. Yours look good? Let's take a view through Ashlyn's lens. Well, if you don't know by now, my name's Ashlyn, and this is my podcast, Through Ashlyn's Lens, where I invite you in to take a view um, through my lens or to see things from my perspective. Now, you know, this segment that we're in now is called um, Becoming Pastor Ashlyn, because guess what? I'm becoming a pastor. And I wanted to let you guys um, kind of take a journey up into that moment with me. So that we can talk about, um, I wanted to really share different conversations I've had to have in preparation to becoming a pastor. So today is our first episode where we have a guest. And this guest, I mean, I hold so dear to my heart. He's my pastor. He's my bishop. He's the one that baptized me in Jesus' name. I'm the only, the one, uh, Bishop W. Channing Jackson. Let's bring him on in. Good afternoon. God bless you. Hey, Bishop. Welcome to Through Ashes Lens. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me this evening. It's certainly a pleasure. Uh, you know, I, um, I've been telling everybody you're going to be my first guest. Even the other guests, I, I told them, I said, you know, I got to get my bishop up first. And I'll let you know when their date comes. But, you know, you had to be the first one, especially for this topic. Today, we're going to talk about being mantled for ministry. And I know you've been having this segment, um, even this series at GKC. Oh, by the way, he's the pastor of GKC, the church that I attend. I was going to say I attend to, but the church I attend or belong to. How about that? And um, you've been talking about the man, the mandate in the ministry. I don't know if I said it right, but close enough. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, um, we have been dealing with uh, the man, the mantle, the mandate and the ministry. And in this time, we have really been discussing uh, really the flow of ministry, how uh, ministry can flow general generationally. And also um, the reality that we not only need to embrace the calling that the Lord has for our lives, but we also need to focus on being healthy uh, mentally, emotionally, even physically, as we're moving in the direction of what God has called us to. In that we have also discussed, um, we've also discussed serving other persons' ministries and things of that nature, the way I should say uh, ministry and mantles can flow from generation to generation. Well, amen. I've been enjoying it every Sunday. Um, and I thought it would be great to go ahead and start this um, segment, even talking about mantles, because while prep while preparing for this episode, I tried to do, you know, a little research behind the scenes so I could be prepared to talk about it, you know, in this conversation with you. And there was hardly nothing out there. There really isn't much liturgy or um, literature really um, about the mantle. And so in short, what is a mantle? Yes. Uh, so as we've been discussing that, um, if we were to just define it in terms of a Marion Webster or dictionary.com, as everyone goes to now, um, as we look at those definitions, when we look at a mantle, mantle really is just a cloak or a covering. But when we speak of it from a perspective, uh, a ministry perspective, we literally speak concerning a calling and anointing. Um, the job, the specific job that you flow in or do in the kingdom of God. 
uh, i.e. doing an apostolic work, prophetic work, evangelistic work, those kinds of things, being an intercessor. We deal with um, those specific calls uh, as we discuss mantles in the kingdom of God. Well, amen. That's definitely what I found when I Googled it. (laughs) And then one thing, one important thing I did find was that the mantle is literally the, um, it is the manifestation of our, the power that we have access to, to through the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is literally, um, the access to God's power that he's given us for the moment. So that kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I was like, man, so first of all, that means we can't contain all of this power, of course, because if we did that, we'd be out there like Satan, you know, thinking that we, well, he didn't even have all of it, but the portion he had was enough to blow his mind. So um, he has to literally divide it or divvy it up between all of us so that, you know, and that made me think it'll be interesting if we could all get these mantles to work together, what all we could do. But Absolutely. Yeah. So another, I have another question for you. So yes. if that's what a mantle is, then how does one receive a mantle? You know, there are different ways, I would say, of receiving mantles. There are some things that come to us generationally. And um, as I was, as, as you were asking that question, I thought my mind actually went to Timothy as um, Paul was dealing with him and ministering to him. And he began to discuss the faith that Timothy possessed that was first with his grandmother, then passed through his mother, and it was present in him. And um, there are some mantles that are passed generationally uh, in our lineage, if you will, some anointings, giftings, callings that flow from generation to generation. Many families have generational preachers, like like, uh, grandfather was a pastor, grandmother was a preacher, and as the time progresses, um, there are others who have that same expression. For many generations, they flow in that vein. And then there are others that we see, um, if we can use an Old Testament paradigm, we see uh, Elijah and Elisha. And this, the, those two are the ones from which I've been flowing in that, that message that you mentioned earlier. And when we find them, Elisha is literally a plowman. He's working a field. He's working a field with oxen and a plow and digging it up, preparing to plant. And Elijah comes and drops his mantle on him. And so when we see this, we see a different example of a ministry being passed, not through a bloodline, but from a a, a place of impartation, if we can use that word. Um, The apostle uh, Paul again speaks to Timothy And he begins to tell him that he should stir up the gift that is within him. And this gift was not the gift that came from Eunice and Lois, but it is the gift that was imparted to him through the laying on of hands, which is another way um, we receive uh, mantles. And so if I could say, use, use that as a perspective, there are some things that are imparted to us through the laying on of hands. The scripture says laying on the hand of the presbyter. And so there are different, experiences, different expressions that we gain um, in these different ways. There's a third thing that I'm saying that I put a period in this sentence. And this is where, uh, again, Paul is talking and he says that we should desire the best gifts of the spirit. 
which suggests to me, um, then, then he, he talks about those giftings and he says that one should prefer to uh, the gift of prophecy rather than, rather than the gift of tongues, if you will, in this particular instance, because it's one, of course, that builds up the body. And, which, which, um, and when we look at this, to me, it says that there are some gifts that we can receive as we press into the presence of the Lord and literally request them, that some God will impart to us by virtue of uh, the request. Well, amen. You know, those, you just said a whole lot for me. One thing I'm going to say, um, when you were talking about the generational um, mantles that you can receive just through your lineage, I was, yes. you know, I was thinking about that Bell family um, that said, you yes. can like, oversee a Bell and all her family members. Um, that that intercession uh, mantle lays heavy on them. And you can clearly see it, that um, gift of prayer, really, you can see yes. it through all of them. I know that's been cool for me to watch. It's very heavy, and I've had the uh, um, the the privilege of knowing four generations of the Bell family, um, from mother mother the grandmother Bell, all the way down to uh, the uh, overseer Bell and Sister Tarsha, their children, and those expressions have been consistent in them for four generations. I've seen those people of God minister before the Lord in prayer. That's Absolutely, cool. yeah. I, uh, I think that's probably the, the one that sticks out the most for me in reference to there. But, you know, you also answered another thing because I was going to ask. Um, so could I be uh, in a service one day looking at a person minister and say, you know what? That's a um, the mantle they're walking in. Of course, we're not. We're churchy, but we don't always just say, oh, I want that mantle. But we may say, oh, I kind of want to pray like them or I want to preach like them. Now, preaching like them is a little different, but praying like them, okay. <laughs> you know, I can see them operating in whatever they're called to and say, you know what, I kind of want to do it like that. Um, and so I was wondering if we could receive um, or do something to get the mantle in which they're walking in. Yes, and I, I would also say that it is possible to be in the company of individuals, not just in the company, but literally serve a mantle. Um, uh, serve a specific ministry and become a partake of that ministry by virtue of service or by virtue of environment. Um, let me give scripture reference in terms of um, that picking up mantles uh, by being in the environment. When we see Saul one specific time, Saul goes up the mountain with a company of prophets. And the scripture says that when he came down, he prophesied also. So now the question becomes, did that mantle remain with him or did he just become a, a temporary partaker of that uh, mantle by virtue of being in that environment? And so um, I believe there are some expressions that we can inherit by virtue of being in the right place at the right time for the right release. Well, amen. I definitely can agree with that. Um, and then, and then, of course, there's also the other version that says that uh, we are born with some mantles. Because I can remember, um, you know, oftentimes when you have what we call hot hands, where at some point you're in a service or in a certain atmosphere, your hands yeah. start hot. Or sometimes you're not in a certain atmosphere and you're just sitting at home watching TV and your hands get hot. Which we say that that's um, representation of the gift of healing. And I can remember being a little kid, <laughs> hands getting hot, or being at the Baptist church where, you know, you don't hear much about, um, well, you don't really see much laying on the hands, the ones that I was in, but my hands would be hot. 
until I came, I started um, coming around some apostolic and Pentecostal people that understood um, what hot hands meant or could tell me. And even actually before that, my mentor that I had in the Baptist church, her hands would be hot too. So she could tell me a little bit, but I was able to really um, get into it when I started going to these services where those hands were being laid and all that. So yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So absolutely, absolutely. And um, woman of God, I believe that, well, the scripture is clear to us that there are those things that he put into us before the foundations of the world. I, I believe it's uh, Romans 8 speaks of those he predestined, then he also called. And when we deal with the predestination of God, we deal with the reality that there are deposits that are made in us before we ever come into the earth. As you were talking, discussing um, those experiences you had when you were in um, a place that was not so charismatic, if I can use that, um, yeah. that terminology, it made me think of my own mother, my own mother who experienced giftings while she was in a church that was not active in gifts. In, in her youth, as she was in her teen years, and maybe even younger than that, where the Lord would show her things, she would have divine insight, prophetic visions, if you will, and um, those types of expressions in her reality. Um, well, she was in a place, and even in a family, that at that time did not embrace that level of ministry. And, you know, and the thing about having those kinds of giftings and carrying those mantles before you have the opportunity to be educated, if you will, on the mantle, um, is people will write you off as having mental issues. People will think you're strange, you're weird. And so um, oftentimes when we discuss the reality of having mantles, we always look at it from, I'm a gift. I have an anointing. I've been chosen by God. But the reality is mantles are not always light. Mantles have are, have a weight, if you will, have a weight with them. Uh, mantles are not just what we pick up and put on, but mantles literally require something of us. There's a tenacity that must be present um, because even in those mantles, in the, along with those gifts, they oftentimes invite us to a place of conflict and or warfare. Uh, if I can reflect again on Elijah and Elisha, while Elijah was an accurate prophet, we see the manifestation of miracles. One of the conflicts that was a part of his mantle was doing warfare against the spirit of witchcraft, against the spirit of uh, control and manipulation. It is that conflict against the spirit of Jezebel. And, and at that time, it was not just the spirit of Jezebel, it was a literal Jezebel right. that was uh, silencing prophets, uh, you know, driving them into the caves, uh, making eunuchs of the men, and um, also introducing the worship of a God that certainly was not God. And the reality is, Elijah goes off the scene. He's caught up. The mantle falls to Elisha, but Elisha still has to do that conflict and war against the enemy that had been presented um, in the days of Elijah. And so um, my point is, while we are uh, those, those gifts that come with us in birth, frequently we have to plow out a way and create a path for those that will come after us. And so, you know, God always gives us provision. He always puts somebody in place to help us. If, if I can use this terminology, this was something the Lord dropped in my spirit the other day. And that is that we have to cultivate the mantle. 
Well, amen. Um, when you when you said that, I thought about. Um, so I thought about it. It's important. That means based on what you just said, warfare comes with a mantle, even mm-hmm. if you don't recognize that you have the mantle. So yes. what can one do to find out or to pinpoint what mantles they're carrying, the ones that they were born with or the ones they receive generationally, um, not the ones that they chose? Because we know sometimes they're chosen for you and you're still fighting warfare even as a kid based on who you're going to become. Absolutely. Well, one major thing that I believe is we must push into prayer. Prayer is essential. And um, uh, what I've come to know is um, a lot of times when people have gifts that they're born with, mm-hmm. a lot of times they just flow in them without really attempting to seek God for guidance. Um, and when I say that, I think about individuals having guns and have no training. Uh, you can kill yourself. You can kill someone else. Um, any gifting, I believe, is dangerous if we don't have direction as we flow in it. Um, specifically, we're in a season, and you know this, woman of God, where everybody wants to be a prophet. Everybody has a word. When there is not a lot of prophetic training, and it becomes extremely dangerous because people become destructive um, in that while they think they're a prophet, it could just be a simple word of prophecy. And so those things come with teaching. One, we need to hear what the Lord is saying. Secondarily, I believe it's important that we submit our gifts. We submit even our mantles to a person, uh, to an individual that can help train us, help us to become. Um, there There are multiple things that I believe. One is that we need to be taught. We need to embrace teaching right now. There's literature everywhere. We can pick up books and read them. Uh, and secondary, but secondarily, and this is something that I really believe is extremely important, specifically with prophetic and apostolic persons, and that is that we be in the prophetic company and an apostolic company, be connected to persons that flow in that because frequently um, operation is not taught, it's called in the midst of movement. And I say that one major thing that um, that points this out to us is the um, the ministry again, and I'm just there. This is where I am, so I keep going here. Of Elijah and Elisha. We see consistently that Elisha is serving that mantle. He refers to Elijah as his servant, uh, his fa- well, his father post his departure, But before that, Elisha is not called a son. Elijah is called a servant. And he served that mantle. And I believe in the midst of service, he picks up how to function in what he's called to do. And we we see this very clearly as they move from Gilgal to Jericho, from Jericho uh, to Jordan, and uh, excuse me, from they left uh, Gilgal and went to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho to Jordan. When they get to Jordan, Elijah takes off the mantle, strikes the water, and they open. After he's raptured up, if we can use that terminology, uh, Elisha catches the mantle. He gets rid of his mantle. And when it's time to cross over, he asks the question, where's the God of Elijah? And then he did what he saw Elijah do, and it worked for him. And so... um. In terms of flowing in these mantles, 
One, let's seek God. Two, let's find somebody that's flowing in what we have. And, and then lastly, let's not try to reinvent the wheel. Let's do what we know works. And uh, I think I should go back. I need to back up a bit to uh, you asked concerning how do we, I think the question was, how do we identify what gifts are working in us? And um, this, I think this is important that we be submitted to good leadership. The reality is God, uh, it is the responsibility, I believe, of a father or a mother in the gospel to identify what's working in children. And when we when we look at Old Testament, Old Testament scriptures, fathers would name the children according to their function in the earth. When we saw namings, the names were not just I'm going to take a part of uh, my wife's name and then a part of my name. And, you know, my wife's name is Alicia and my name is Wade, of course. And uh, we name our child Wadisha because it's a connect connection of both of those names. No, that's not what we want to do. What we want to do is speak to the call of God on their life, speak to what, uh, what it is that they should become. And so when we start seeing those names manifest frequently, we would see the manifestation of who those persons were uh, or what the situation was in the time. And my mind reflects right now to uh, Reuben. His name meant unstable. Jacob, his name meant trickster. And so when we start looking at these names, we're like, oh my, are they giving prophecies concerning what they were becoming? Frequently, that's what we saw. Mm -hmm. You know, I can attest to that. It's interesting. My, my name is Ashlyn. My name means dream or one who dreams or dreamer. And it's true. God sometimes has to speak to me in my dream because when I'm awake, my mind is on so many different things. He has to yeah. catch me when I'm sleeping. Matter of fact, I actually um, prayed in tongues in my sleep for the first time. So that was in the wow. dream. Yeah. So that I often, I asked my mom, you know, where did my name, my first name come from? They could tell me where my middle came from. Of course, I knew where my last came from, but she couldn't really tell me where Ashlyn actually came from. But it's interesting because it was right on point. I definitely am a dreamer. Wow. Yeah. And my mother did well in naming me. My first name, of course, means one who advances. And my middle name means official of the church. So she was extremely prophetic with that middle name, if nothing else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's yeah. interesting. And then, you know, there's the other part of that where, you know, we have the ability to declare things. So yeah. even if when um, I was first uh, not being thought of, but being conceived or whatever, the plan wasn't to have a dreamer coming to the earth. Well, they declared that I shall be a dreamer. So why not? Uh, they shared, they declared that you would be an official in the church. So that could be what happened. You know, our words tend to work for us even when we don't expect them to. Absolutely. And if I could use the word mantle, that's a mantle that works for all of the saints. Thou oh, yeah. shalt decree a thing and it will be established and the light will shine upon your path. And so, um, amen. Amen. Yeah. So that even speaks to the fact that one can carry more than one mantle. Um, that means... Absolutely. Yeah. So if that one works for everybody, then you at least have two. You have well, <laughs> probably three. So you could at least have one that came through your generation. Uh, one that the Lord has. Um, well, the one you just said about speaking and declaring and then yes. the other one that you can you can choose. And Absolutely. But and sure there are plenty. Yes. David is a strong example of that because he occupied so many um, positions at once. 
at prophet, priest, and king. He flowed in those all three of those mantles, if you will, simultaneously. Um, as do as do many of us. Many of us, uh, many of us flow and and uh, have giftings, uh, mantles that flow in tandem with one another. Yeah, and you know, I um I thought about what you said before, and I believe that's very important. I think that even if it's something, even if it's a mantle I was born with, I can still uh, seek out someone who operates in the mantle and which I know that I have in me, but that needs training. Oftentimes we as people tend to not accept the fact that we do need training before we step on our own. But I can see that you operate in the um in the mantle in which I know is in me and I could be operating in, and I can choose to come up to you and say, hey, look, I um I saw you doing that, and I think that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. What can I do? You know, sometimes it's good to just throw yourself at the um, mercy of the feet of somebody who is serving, and I mean, who's serving in that way, and go serve them. I know I'm the type that needs some hands-on training, and so I have I've had to serve in ways to learn. Okay, this is oh, this is how it's done. So this is how you know. And I'll even tell you, Bishop. I'll say, okay, now you have the best. I think in the church we say the best tongue, you know, you speak in ways um, and concerning the church that I have never heard. And so I'll tell you, I'll say, Bishop, now, you know, I don't know how to say this like the churchy people do. So if you will, just I'll say it my way and you just tell me how to do it. That kind of thing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I believe what, I, what I've learned as time has progressed is there are so many people that have mantles and they just function and flow in them. And they don't really know how to articulate to others how to do what it is that they're doing. And I believe that and I feel that what you're doing right now, even in terms of this podcast, um, laying out, sharing with the world your process as you're becoming the pastor of this great ministry that's going to be launched down there in Louisiana. I think these things are necessary and God has mantled uh, your generation, and even though I'm trying to be in, you know, I'm still trying to act like I'm a millennial. We're gonna, we're gonna see how that works out. But um, I believe that that you've been mantled with um, a mandate to leave a record so that so those that come behind you can see A B C into becoming. The ABCs of becoming can be um, not just written, not just caught, but literally taught by virtue of um, the way you've laid this out. And I think that is important in this um, in this time, in this dispensation, that we not just try to make people catch everything. Because some people are not catchers. Some are pitchers, you know, um, but they have to be taught how to pitch. And so here we are in this time and in this season. And one, this is one reason I appreciate God, even for my personal leader, um, Bishop Marshall, Bishop Freddie Marshall, he takes time to teach line upon line, precept upon precept, some of those things that we did not learn in times past, those things that are necessary so that um, that we carry our mantles, not just with power, but with grace, mm-hmm. and that we are not ignorant even concerning the mantles that we possess. Absolutely. And I, Bishop, you said a lot just then, I t- and I think I said this every time, but you did. Um, that's very true. I believe that I'm a part of the... I'm a part of the people that God has called to be able to teach it, um, not just receive. I believe that's why all the time, and I know you can attest to this and my other leaders too, 
Um, I believe every leader I've had probably since college can attest to this. The fact that I'm always the one saying, okay, how is this done? How did you do that? And I'm always asking the questions. And um, it's because God doesn't let me not ask them. Really. I've tried. I've literally tried to not have to ask, but he has, um, I believe that I'm kind of that middle person. You have Mm -hmm. most of those that were before me, like you, uh, most of the time you had to catch what you caught, right? Right. (laughs) But most of what you have, either God deposited directly to you or you had to catch it. You weren't just sat down um, and said, "Okay, this is how it's done. Whereas um, I know that God is telling me that I need to be prepared to go sit sit people down and say, "Okay, this is how I did it, which is why this podcast was birthed in the first place, which means I have to figure out, okay, those who caught it, what did they catch? How did they catch it? What did it mean when they caught it? And what is it now? And what does it really become? So I'm right there observing, saying, okay, I need to get what I can about this so that I can document it and then be able to teach it. Because another thing for me um, is that God doesn't, like, I don't just, most of the time I can watch it and I can do it. But you don't, I, that's mem- I memorize very well. So mm-hmm. I'll watch it, memorize it, and then go back and do it. But that doesn't mean I actually learned it. I can actually watch a teacher. I can see what they're doing, even even math, and I can pretty much do the same thing. And then within after taking the test, I can make an A, 100%. Then a couple of weeks later, I won't know any of that because I can memorize well. But the way that I'm able to test whether I actually learned something is if I can sit down and teach it to another person and they actually get it. That's how I know. And so most of the time in catching, you're not able to do that. I can memorize it and you know, mimic it really. But um, when it's time to sit it down, sit down and teach it to someone, that's how I know if I actually had it. So you were definitely on point with that. Of course, you didn't need me to say that, but it's very true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and certainly it is, I believe it's necessary that we, um, that we flow properly in this season. Um, when we when we discuss mantles, the fivefold ministry certainly is the mantle of Jesus Christ that has been divided into five parts and released into the earth. Well, some people look at the fivefold as a fourfold in that the pastor teacher are kind of one in the same. But um, we we know that it is the mantle of Jesus Christ that has been divided and released into the earth for uh, the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the, of the body, to make sure that the saints uh, become uh, the becoming to come into the fullness of the knowledge of truth, of course, and the fullness of the stature of Christ. Uh, when we look at that, we have, of course, the the apostle gives us government. They govern the um, the uh, prophet guides us. The evangelist gathers. Then we have that pastor teacher uh, that guard us and ground us, and that teaching component. That pastoring, that guard, that guardianship and grounding, those things are extremely important. And if I can say this, the truth is, it is the teaching of the word that grounds us. And those are those things that we need in terms of our mantles. As we are taught, it will ground us in our mantles so that we don't become those who prophesy because we need money or those who want to uh, function as an apostle because we want to control people. You know, the spirit of control and manipulation is extremely strong in the earth. And the reality is those that are doing it, I don't think all of them necessarily want to be um, those that function as witches, but many of them 
have these mantles and are not operating in them properly by virtue of no one. And then some people just are not teachable, but that's another conversation that we won't have today. But uh, many of them are functioning like that because nobody taught them that being an apostle does not suggest that you have to be in control of everything all the time. And, you know, it's those those types of things that are uh, are interesting. Interesting is a great word. <laughs> you know, and I also think I think that um, now I do think some people do choose to be witches. I think they enjoy the the manipulation that they have the, that come the things that come with manipulation, the mm -hmm. ability to to um, get what you want when you want it. I think that yeah. being just spoiled sometimes. But then, of course, I don't think everybody chooses it. But what I will say though is that um, as I and you know, as I grow older in the Lord, I just believe that sometimes some of the excuses that we allow people to flow in when they're not like when they're they know that they're acting as a witch, which is not of God. Or when they know that they're doing things that the Lord didn't call us to do that. Once we I think that once you reach a certain age, you don't get to use that excuse anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just my soapbox and I'll get off of it. But, you know, I think that, OK, once I'm in leadership. Once I've become a pastor uh, and I'm not just a, a, a minister in training or something, that there is a, a literal um, demand that says, OK, look, you were able to act like this when you were a minister in training. But once you get to a certain position where people's lives are interested in you, um, you know, and you handling them properly or whatever, that you have to get yourself together in order to do the works of God and not harm people along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, woman of God, right now in this time that we're in, the Lord has just really released so many gifts uh, into the body of Christ. One in particular that I will mention is um, Apostle Joshua Smith. The persons that have come on the scene to deal with the mental health of people of God. It is very possible for people to have strong mantles and have weak minds. Um, we we really need people in the earth. We let me say like let me say this. We need all of these gifts to get under counseling, to get under help, because the reality is when you have unresolved issues from your childhood, from your youth, even from your adult years, when those issues are unresolved, they will manifest in your ministry, and frequently they will manifest at the worst time possible. And one dangerous thing is to become a serious leader and have all of these lingering issues. And these these issues are not a part of the mantle. Let me say that again. These issues are not a part of the mantle. Um, there might be enemies that you fight against because, again, warfare is a part of the mantle. But these issues, no. Um, you don't have to be a liar because you are a prophet. Okay? You might have... <laughs> That might be a spirit that you have to war with. Right. Uh, you don't have to be a witch because you are an apostle. Control and manipulation is not necessary for you to be to occupy these positions. And so um, I think I, I, I seriously believe many, many of these expressions of these negative attributes are coming to the surface because people have so many unresolved issues and many of them from their childhoods. When God has released persons into the earth 
that are mantled. They are mantled. And I want to do this because the mantle covers you. They are mantled, mantled to deal with these psychological things that we're warring against. And it is a warfare. It is a warfare. But God has released into the kingdom, as you stated earlier, all of these different mantles. And when we put them together, uh, they will bring breakthrough and deliverance even to those that are working in the upper tiers of ministry. Yeah, I, um, that blessed me because let me tell you, I think I believe the Lord just kind of um, he kind of blessed, favored me a bit early in, in ministry. I remember when I was in college um, and I had I had probably accepted my call to preach after about a year. That first year, God dealt with me about trust. He taught me how to trust him. Well, then, because he told me that I trusted him a little bit, but he needed it to increase. And I believe there is levels of trust that we um, encounter sometimes with God. For those of us who have trust issues, he has to take us a little slow. Right. So he taught me trust. And then after he taught me to trust him, he started to deal with the fact that I was broken and didn't know I was broken. I mean, I'm telling you, I would go through life and not know that there was anything that needed fixing. I thought I was totally fine. But that's because I was moving as a robot. I had cut off my emotions when I was a kid just as a survival tactic um, because I experienced great trauma growing up. And um, because the only way I could deal with that trauma was to cut the emotional part out. out, Right. And so um, when I was in college, I accepted my call to preach. And the Lord said I needed to deal with what I experienced in my past that I had forgotten or pushed away into a compartment where I didn't really visit often. And so. Um, when the Lord started to remind me of those things, it literally caused me to go into a place where I basically rebelled and I rebelled from the one thing that I found identity in. And that was school. I was known as a smart kid. I graduated salutatorian in my class um, in high school. And that's who I was. Like that was literally my identity. They knew that I went to church. And even most of the time people thought I was a church kid. I wasn't going to church. So that was funny. But um, God favored me most of my life. But he also started to bring those things up. And I realized after a point of trying to deal with it on my own, that that was something I couldn't handle on my own. Because I, like I said, I started to rebel from school. I started to, I started failing classes and everything. And that just wasn't me. And so um, I made a decision to start going to counseling. And when I tell you, I believe that was the best grown up decision I could have ever made in my life. It caused me to literally um, change from the person that I had become into literally become who I am. Uh, even to this day, I learned who Ashlyn was outside of outside um, interference. <laughs> and I was able to even grow. It really caused me to grow in ministry because I was able to acknowledge things that did kind of attach to me in a way. I believe um, one thing and I'll share it here is the spirit of perversion literally started following me as a little kid in whatever way it could. And um, because of that, and I believe it's because of who I'm called to be and who I'm called to, the people that I'm called to, that it caused the enemy to try to negatively affect me in that way, in every way he could think of. And so after that, it helped me to understand, okay, this is why I'm being affected this way. This is why the enemy's after me like this. And this is why he's chosen these avenues. So like you said, um, Prophet Joshua Smith and um Specifically him, because that's when I always mention, I know that what he's doing is right. And then I have a few others, um, you know, guys, if you're watching, just inbox us if you need a therapist in your area. Uh, we have a few we can send you to. But yeah, yeah, nothing like having a good therapist that can actually, God can use to guide you through healing. 
especially all with the gift of healing. Um, you need to be healed first before you go out laying hands on someone else, calling yourself healing them. Absolutely, absolutely. All of those processes are so necessary. Um, I think it, it, the writer said, it was good for me that I had been afflicted, that I might know him. And um, Paul says that we don't just want to know him in the power of his resurrection, but we also have to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. It came to me some time ago, uh, Elder James, that uh, should I call you Ashlyn? It came to me some time ago that um, many of us have to walk through things that God will use us to deliver other people from in moments. And so uh, those walks are part of the mantle. It's a part of the mantle. And um, and some of those those items are things that help to cultivate that mantle. And as we um, as others come in under us and we transfer what God has given us to them, they will accomplish things much more swiftly than we can by virtue of the impartation that they receive from us without some of the process. And so um, early on, as we began to talk to that tonight, you um, you said something to the effect of some, something in the nature of um, we certainly can't have a double portion of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. And um, as you were saying that, my mind went back again, of course, to Elijah and Elisha. And so Elisha does not request a double portion of the Spirit of God. He requests a double portion of Elijah's Spirit. And um, as time progressed, Elisha flowed in so many things. He had double the miracles. He flowed in so many things that Elijah flowed in because he received a mantle that had already been cultivated. When we considered Elijah, we, we saw the manifestation of so many miracles. And then he was taken up. Well, Elisha was not taken up like that. Elisha lived to be an old man. He lived to be an old man. And in his old age, as he was almost at the point of death, he still functioned in the ministry of miracles. Uh, in that when the king was uh, came because he needed assistance when they were dealing with the Syrians, the scripture shows us how, how he leads him into the shooting of the bow and the striking of the arrows and it being the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and deliverance from Syria, an old man, but still functioning in the mantle, even to the point that he dies and his bones are in the grave many years later and a soldier is thrown on his bones and his, his life is restored after death by virtue of the mantle, you know? And so um, what we have to walk through, what we have to live through, God will use those things to bring swift breakthrough, not just to us, but even I believe to generations that are unborn to time. Absolutely. And while you were saying that, I thought about something I wanted to point out earlier. Um, mm -hmm. That goes to say, if you serve a mantle, you just serve it well and serve it with the best of your ability. Um, no matter who the person is that's in the place, that you are serving, you serve them like you're serving God. Um, yeah. Because it's it's nothing like, first of all, that person has to let you into their personal space. No matter how close you get, they're still letting you in to see a portion of them that everybody doesn't get to see. And then there's yeah. a level of grace we have to give to that leader too, um, because they know that they're serving who's coming to replace them. They're serving yeah. the next person in line. Um, and I, I believe that even as Elijah and Elisha, Elisha, had to give Elijah a certain amount of grace because we already know when Elisha came on the scene, Elijah was already depressed. 
He had already been depressed. He was already in a, a different person, really. Um, so imagine having to serve someone who's in a depressive state most of the time that you're with them. But yeah. he was able to serve and serve well and get what he needed. Um, he got all the hands-on that he needed. Um, even in that moment, he got to spend certain time with God that normal people wouldn't get, you know, because he served someone who had, like you said, cultivated the mantle. He got to yeah. see his action at its peak. And so you don't see that all the time. Um, but he also wasn't abused. You know, he wasn't. It's not like um, Elijah mishandled him, even though he was depressed. He still took care of him as well, even though in the end, Elijah was trying to get rid of Elisha. He didn't want him to see him go. He didn't want him to see him at his worst. But guess what? I said worst. But at his worst state. But what he, what did happen was Elisha was able to stay. And Elisha served until the end, and he received the mantle that he expected to get. Um, and he was blessed with, he made, um, Elijah asked him, okay, what do you want? And he was able to tell him, he made his request known, and his um, request was honored because he did what he was supposed to do. Yes, and I, I want to I raise this, raise this, and I, I don't want to hold you hostage, but I do want to raise this thought. Um, and as they were going from place to place, I think it's important that we remember everywhere they stopped. There was there were those that were referred to as the sons of the prophets. And we do recognize that those who were referred to as sons of the prophets were those that were a part of the school of the prophets. They were there for prophetic training. We saw those sons at Bethel. We saw them at um, we saw them, we saw them several places. I'll just say it like that. And every time we I think it's very important that we notice none of those persons that were named among the sons of the prophets crossed the Jordan with him. The one that served the mantle was the one that caught the mantle. And I, and I think this is very important because we register and we go to trainings and we go to conferences and we go to all of those things and all of those things are good. But it's important that we not just go to the places where things are being taught, but we have to go and serve where some things are caught. At the end of the day, if we are going to function in it, we need to serve it. And I think it's very, um, it's a it's a dangerous thing that we're encountering in this time, in these days where people want to flow in something that they're not willing to serve. That is extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. And I, I believe that some of this is because people really don't want to be accountable. They want, they want the information. They want... Um, the press, if you will, without really doing the work. Yeah. Because the truth is, serving a mantle is work. Oh, serving a mantle is work. Now, I want to say that one more time. Serving a mantle is work. Amen. Amen. You experience things that don't make sense to you. You see things that you like, okay, it's got to be a better way. And at the end of the day, there are things that are taught in those moments when we just don't get it. We don't necessarily need it now, but we're going to need it down the road. Yeah. We experienced Elijah actually being a blessing to Ahab when it was time to come down off that mountain. He gave him a warning. You need to go ahead so that you don't get stuck in the mud. And we see many years later, Elisha is somewhere not dealing with anybody. And we find that the king of Edom, the king of Israel, and the king of Judah come to him. 
and he has to release a prophetic word to somebody that he does not necessarily want to deal with, but it's a word that brought victory. No, he was not present when Elijah dealt with that, but it was in that mantle. What we serve, we become a partaker of, and we enter into a specific grace that we would not have had we not served that mantle. Absolutely. And I, that is an amazing blessing in serving the mantle. I, um, I often talk about this one quote, but they always they I've I've heard in from multiple people, so I don't know whose quote it is, but you um you can't wear a crown that you haven't um that you haven't polished. And I believe that to be true. Okay. At least if I see you operating in what I know I'm supposed to operate in and the Lord has connected us in a way, then I need to serve and just serve well while I'm there. Yes. And while I'm supposed to be there. And when time's up, time's up. But while I'm there, I need to be fully there and submitted. There's a there's a submission. What is what does it say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Yes. I'd rather um be obedient to what the Lord has called me to and who he has called me to than to sacrifice the mantle that I should be walking in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better. <laughs> the Lord gave it to me in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bishop. I think that we have, I think we've covered the mantle at least pretty good. I'm sure we'll probably have some more segments. And if you want to know more about the man, the mantle and the mandate and um, any other M that I can't think of in the moment, <laughs> you need to tune in to GKC Greater Kingdom Citadel's social media and listen to what Bishop has been, the Lord has been saying through Bishop Jackson these last um, few Sundays. So Bishop, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I couldn't have anybody else as my first guest other than you. Uh, this spot was reserved from the moment that the Lord allowed me to know about this segment, okay? And so it's been a pleasure having you here. I'm totally honored and glad that you would take a moment to sit and have a conversation with me. Do you have well, any- It has been my honor. It's been an honor and a privilege to be on here with you. I'm extremely excited about what the Lord is doing in you and through you. I just, I just know the Lord is going to do great things down in Lake Providence and surrounding areas. And so we are here in Alabama and all over this country because you know I'm, um, I'm bishoping if I can use that word, even on the West Coast. And so I'm just extremely excited about what the Lord is doing in you and through you. And the saints are rallying, um, not just in Louisiana, not just in Alabama, but literally from coast to coast. The saints are praying and celebrating and and supporting the work of the Lord that has been given to your hands. So you just be encouraged and keep doing the things of God. I know God's going to use you much and mightily there in Louisiana. Well, thank you, Bishop. The Lord has the ability to do that because of what you poured uh, into me. So I'm grateful to you for more than you would even know. And thank you for joining us today. Um, I'll be back with you in just a moment. Oh, wait. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining for my first um, official episode of Through Ashland's Lens. It's been an honor having you here. I pray that you learned something, that you heard something that um, moved in your spirit, and that you were blessed in some way. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send us an inbox, um, DM us, uh, send us a message, email us even. Um, whatever you have, let us know. If you enjoyed it, please let us know get some hearts and comments. You know, we want you to be engaged in this podcast. It's not just for me. It's inviting you into what I'm seeing to, to my view, really. And so come on in and let me know what you see while you're here. All right. It's been a blessing. Thank you so much. You can go ahead and take these off now.
All right. Well, you can take yours off. I need mine to see. Thanks for taking a view through Ashlyn's lens.